Hello everyone out there, this is Saint. Uh, this evening Chains was not able to join us. Uh, he had about 7 million things on his plate, juggling them all as usual. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet for us. Um, we do actually have some good news as far as human trafficking goes. Um, this go around and I know uh, those bright spots of sunshine can be few and far between. Um, and, and just to clarify, when we talk about good news, obviously it's good news every single day that there's a, a victim rescued or a perpetrator put away. Um, but for us, big news is, is the large, solid building stone steps that move things forward. Um, because, you know, until, until every victim is rescued and until every, uh, every individual who, who buys another human being for the purpose of sex or exploitation... Um, is put behind bars or, or stopped. Uh, you know, there's really not a whole lot to celebrate as far as that goes. And it can seem like a cynical uh, viewpoint or perhaps a, uh, you know, missing the, uh, missing the trees for the forest type of mindset or viewpoint. But you understand that it's easy to get caught up in the numbers game. It's easy to look at um, what has been accomplished and we just, for ourselves, anyway, we don't want to get complacent and since this is the way we view things and I understand everybody's going to have viewpoints, you get to, you get to suffer through that same viewpoint. So I don't want to dampen anyone's enthusiasm out there um, that gets excited over the, the few that are, that are rescued or, you know, the stories where the, the FBI or, or another NGO uh, brings in a bunch of kids and gets them rescued or finds the one that was missing and endangered. And we do, we do rejoice in those moments. We just, uh, we can't afford to let ourselves lose sight of the goal that there are still so many more out there that are not being found. And, and with each second that ticks by, uh, won't be found. Um, so, but uh, the good news that I have to share, uh, with, with you all this evening, um, is uh, a memo that was released from the United States Department of State. Um, every year they release a trafficking in persons report, a TIP report. And uh, it's filled with, with some general useful and good information, some directives, uh, some, some information about what's been done as far as the federal level throughout the year, um, etc. And, and normally it's, it's your standard governmental release. Um, this one, though, that was released uh, uh, this year has uh, uh, something of, a, of an encouraging uh, excerpt in it, and I'm going to go ahead and read it to you all. And uh, if you follow our page, you'll see that we already kind of posted on it once, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit on it uh, and just bring some things to light from it. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that up for us here real fast and read off the specific excerpt for you. Um, and again, this is released by the Department of State. It was released, I believe, in June of this year. Um, and okay, so at the heart of human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to exploit a person. Uh, traffickers use the control of the exercise of our victims to force their victims to carry out activities for the trafficker's profit. Traffickers often compel victims to engage in criminal activities such as prostitution, pickpocketing, or drug trafficking and cultivation. 
Law enforcement authorities often fail to properly screen and identify victims of human trafficking when they detain or arrest criminal suspects. This can result in revictimization. When victims are punished for their engagement in the crimes, their traffickers force them to commit. Compounding the injustice, a criminal record can have a profoundly negative effect on victims throughout their lives. For example, a survivor of sex trafficking who cannot rent an apartment because of prior arrests for prostitution, or an individual forced by a criminal gang to steal or sell drugs who cannot get a job due to the resulting criminal record. Even if a trafficking victim never faces charges or if charges are dropped, arrest records and stigma remain, affecting where the victims live, their employment opportunities, and how others perceive them. Um, and that is, I mean, 100% correct. And it was so encouraging to see that the Department of State recognized this. Um, it's been something that has been a bit of an educational process for uh, various law enforcement agencies um, trying to get away from the uh, you know, the, there was an era in this country where prostitution was less human trafficking, more of a more business. Uh, human trafficking has always been intrinsic to and directly tied into prostitution. Um, even those you've heard us say before, there are legitimate sex workers out there who make um, make the choice to pursue that lifestyle. But um, the reality is that law enforcement and their exuberance to to uh, you know clean up the streets and, and enforce civil law uh, would miss the signs of human trafficking. So I can't necessarily fault them for that per se, except that, you know, when you're in a position like law enforcement, it is your, it's your duty to, to make yourself aware. You don't go through academy once in your yearly, yearly trainings and call it good. Um, you're there to be that law enforcement, that peace officer, and as part of law enforcement, you also need to understand and make yourself aware of these elements. You know, and that's true for anyone from a massive city such as New York or Chicago all the way down to, to hometown USA, you know, uh, Nevada or, or Iowa or, you know, Minnesota. It could be anywhere. Um, so it's just something that, that, as I said, is very encouraging to, to us at the Crusader Foundation. And this memo was actually brought up in uh, one of our recent uh, leadership meetings, uh, just as as uh, a bright spot for us all to, to know that at the higher levels of the United States government, um, they are actually recognizing that this does happen and they're putting out an encouragement to uh, the uh, law enforcement agencies to be aware of this themselves. Um, and, you know, going back to a personal level, because we do like to let you guys know that we have seen this firsthand. Um, we have seen victims, uh, cases that we have worked, uh, victims that we have recovered. Um, and, uh, you know, even if we manage to put them into a safe place sometime down the road, um, shortly thereafter, the court system would issue a warrant uh, for them as part of the overall prosecution process. And so now you're stuck with this stigma on your record and, and, and not to mention the danger of, of uh, appearing in court and so on. Um, and again, I recognize that the system has to have specifics in place. It's part of, part of the structure of society. It has to be there. Um, so, but at the same time, it's, it's not a perfect system. It's something that needs to be continually worked on. Um, 
the the article goes on and i believe we will probably make this available on our on our facebook page for anyone who would like to read it in its entirety but there's another excerpt down here that i wanted to read um, because it's going to tie into we're going to talk about uh, uh, the cater law which is very important and we're going to talk about some of the states that have actually implemented uh, vacator laws and I'll, I'll explain what that is but just as a as a prelude to that I want to read a quotation from the United States Trafficking Victims Protection Act um, and this was a congressional act uh, and it reads victims of severe forms of trafficking should not be inappropriately incarcerated fined or otherwise penalized solely for unlawful acts committed as a direct result of being trafficked such as using false documents, entering the country without documentation, or working without documentation. And this, you know, you cannot work in, in any type of counter-human or anti-human trafficking, victim advocacy, uh, aftercare services, etc., without running directly into the issue of um, immigrants, illegal or otherwise. And so it's very important uh, for anyone who's working in this field to keep that, to keep that in mind and educate them educate themselves on, on that as well. Um, but now to move on to vacator laws, um, unfortunately there is no wide sweeping vaca uh, federal vacator um, statute, case law, etc. Uh, well, I can't say there's no case law. There is case law, but um, it's not, there's no actual federal standard of vacator law. And what a vacator law is, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, it is a expungement, a removal of uh, uh, charges or arrest records or etc. from from a victim's record, and it does apply to other things as well. Um, it's broad sweeping in terms of overall uh, criminal law for people who are wrongfully charged or etc. But specifically, it's it's it is a very useful tool for anyone who is in victim advocacy um, to be able to understand what they can offer to these victims in terms of a way out should uh, should actual charges be brought or uh, you know prosecutions filed or etc. Um, so in 2010, a New York led the charge as far as becoming the first state in the United States to pass a law allowing survivors of trafficking to vacate their convictions um, for prostitution offenses specifically. Um, and then uh, several other states have followed suit, and I believe currently there are 35 states total that have uh, some type of vacator law for victims of human trafficking where if they are being charged with or could be charged with uh, other crimes while they were in the state of being trafficked, um, the state will expunge those, um, throw the charges out, and etc. Um, and you know these laws—they not only allow victims to correct past injustices, but they also help you know trafficking victims to reclaim and rebuild their lives, which is extremely important, especially when you're coming out of a, a trafficking scenario where you have not been the master of of your own body. Um, you know. And, and I say it like that because as far as human beings go, even homeless people 
still have command over their body. You know, you, you still at least have yourself, no matter how bad things get, you know, the, the old saying, at least you have your health. Uh, it's that term of you have your body and, and even that's been taken away from them. Um, so moving on to this, I guess I'll go over real fast. I've got a list of the, some of the states that actually have uh, these laws. And again, it's, it is encouraging to see how many have them. Um, but it's also, you know, each one has its own specific wording, its own specific um, uh, limits to how far and, and what kind of charges they will expunge or uh, vacate. So... Um, so instead of going through all of them, I'm going to just basically tell you the ones that don't have it. And it's kind of telling if you guys have listened in to some of the hot spots that we've spoken of where trafficking occurs. Um, this won't surprise any of you. Um, but it's, uh, at the, you know, these states need to, to pick up the ball and, and, and go ahead and get on their game. Uh, they are Minnesota, South Dakota. Iowa, Missouri, Alabama, Virginia, Maryland, and Alaska. And those are the states that do not have any form of vacator law as of this year um, that allows a victim of human trafficking to have charges vacated by the state. Um, and then there are a few states that have some uh, special circumstances to that for instance, Georgia, Tennessee, and Louisiana have it to where those uh, vacator laws apply to minor victims of human trafficking only. Um, and then Arkansas, Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado, um, they only uh, seal the records. The, the, process, the charges will still stand. The, the, the record will still be in the system. Um, better than nothing, but, but not ideal in any in any shape or form um so what does this mean for for you all who would be out there uh as part of the awareness um you know which which we consider anyone who who is willing to open their mind about trafficking to be a part of the grassroots awareness effort because you know it's it's each one of you being aware looking at their communities and and being able to recognize the signs of things that are happening in your own backyards. Um, you know, because obviously all of this information is judicial and very few of us are going to ever be on that side of things uh, unless, you know, you're a lawyer or a judge, uh, paralegal or something like that, or, or in that specific uh, category of victim services uh, or victim advocacy. And what it means for all of you is that uh, you can try to raise your the awareness not just about trafficking, but about what these victims may go through during the course of their trafficking. Um, it's very easy for us, especially we all carry an image of what we want society to be. Each of us carries an ideal. Um, it's it's slang terms, many things in the media in song, in film, you know, American apple pie, the American dream, so on. 
but we all uh, bear this 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 dream, this ideal of what we want our society to be. And it's not a bad ideal. We want our streets to be safe where our kids can play until the streetlights come on and then it's time to come home. We want to have those types of homes where, you know, the kids from next door can come play and we can let our kids go play at the kids next door's house and not have to have the niggling suspicion or the worry that there's going to be a pedophilic strike or, or a kidnapping or, or, you know, something, something of that nature. Um, and really the only way that we're going to bring any type of that ideal back is if we're all willing to look at where we are now in the face, honestly, and do something about it because unfortunately the the it seems like the the instinctive reaction of people is to pretend like the ideal still exists like it's still um possible for for us to allow those things to happen for our kids to walk home from school unattended um you know for us to not have to worry about what they do online um, not have to worry about who their friends are really, you know, besides just knowing where they'll be. Um, and that's just simply not the case. Um, as you know, if you look at anything to do with the news or et cetera, that's, you'll, you'll see it. Um, you look at the missing persons registries and you'll see it. It's just, it's not the world we live in anymore. So you all understanding that, these ideals that we have for our society, which in turn cause us to ostracize a people like the person who is the word around town is they're a prostitute or the word around town is they're a drug addict or, uh, you know, any number of other things. It realized that the human trafficking is such a huge pandemic that those, those people that maybe, maybe even 10, 15 years ago, it may have been the case where they were truly just a prostitute or just a drug addict. Today, it is far more likely that they're under some kind of force, fraud, or coercion. And that isn't to say that you excuse their actions, but you look at it through those eyes of awareness and you realize that they're not the problem. It's the, the problem is the trafficker. Um, and it gives you the ability just to, to mentally be armed to understand what you're looking for, what you're looking at, to where you don't allow a trafficker to slip away just because you're focused on their victim who's committing crimes. Um, understanding, too, uh, how you can help to bring these matters to the attention of your local authorities. I mean, if there's, if there's a house that you notice where there's a lot of drug activity or, you know, it seems like there's prostitution being taken, uh, taking place there, you know, look for the signs of human trafficking. Look for those. Call it in as that. You know, if you, you're going to get a different response from your local police department if you call something in as possibly human trafficking related versus if you call it in as just prostitution or drugs. And granted, you know, it's not going to be that every time. And, and I'm not asking you to bombard your police department with suspicions. You know, be aware of what the physical, the real signs are. But at the same time, understand that that your own law enforcement agencies need to be aware that this is kind of uh, where our society, where our communities are at today. And, and if you as the individual can take steps to be that watcher, 
to be uh, that individual who's aware. And you can bring these matters to the attention of, of a local NGO that can investigate or to, to your law enforcement authorities. You know, you're going you're gonna to assist in ending this and bringing back you know, your communities and our society to that, to that American dream ideal. Um, and then as far as NGOs go, because um, we do try to cover all of our bases as far as who we talk to and what information we give out, uh, link up with your local uh, uh, prosecuting attorney's office. Uh, go to the courthouses and talk to the individuals there. Um, see if they are in understanding of, of the cater laws. Uh, if your state has them, if your state doesn't, uh, write your congressman, write your senators, uh, petition your governor. Try and get these laws passed because they're very important to ending. Uh, because ultimately, as much as actions need to be taken in that gray area that we talk about, and there are specific operations that are conducted more often than not, um, because of the failings of the system, it is still a system that holds our society together. And, and this system is what prosecutes these uh, individuals who are traffickers. And so you as, as an awareness advocate or, or as an NGO in any capacity, um, be proactive about reaching out and, and trying to make sure that the system does all that it's in its power to assist these victims and not to make them statistics. Um, because a, a victim who knows that their crimes that they committed while they were under a form of force, fraud or coercion is going to be much more willing to help in the prosecution process of their trafficker or abuser than one who is being threatened or, or again, coerced even by the system uh, in order to force them to, to testify or, or, or uh, assist the prosecution. Um, so just some brief thoughts on that. Again, it is very good news that there are so many states that have uh, a form of, of the vacator laws. Um, we need to keep at it with the, on that level and I know there's some very, very wonderful people out there, um, victim advocacy, victim awareness, and so on, who work tirelessly to bring these matters to the attention of the public and to the attention of the authorities um, and the politicians and so on. But, um, you know, it, it is good news that the victims do have recourse within the system uh, to ensure that they themselves are protected and that they don't have to have uh, any of the shadows of, of what they've gone through hanging over their head for the rest of their life. Um, so anyway, that would be all I have for you for this week. Um, it has been a kind of a hectic week for all of us here at the Crusader Foundation, pretty much across the board, across the country. Um, we're going back into the season uh, things are picking up again. So for those of you that keep us in your prayers, we appreciate it. Uh, continue to do so. Uh, much is happening. Uh, enemies on every side. Uh, it's hard to tell who your friends are anymore. Um, but, you know, it's not a popularity contest. It's 
uh, certainly not uh, fraternity. So we're not in this for friendships or anything else. We're in this for the sake of the victims, as always, and as everyone who is uh, part of this fight should be. Um, but uh, we appreciate you all who follow us. We appreciate you all who support us. Um, God bless you all. Have a wonderful rest of the week, and uh, we look forward to hearing from any of you. Again, questions, comments, anything else, we are happy to answer. Um, and uh, until next week, uh, there are sheep, there are sheepdogs, and there are wolves. And you need to pick a side.